See the last list that I give you. You've got the four noble truths, okay? Four noble truths. And this is really where the rubber meets the road as, as far as Kevin is concerned, right? He, we had this conversation. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, and the path. I've already talked about suffering a little bit. The concept of suffering is the longer that you hold on to this world, materialism, and self, the more that you suffer. The cause of suffering, this is where ideas like, and I'll explain this later, but the ideas of karma. You know, we talk about karma as being if you do bad things, bad things come back to you. The word karma simply means deeds. So it's the deed that you do. What happens that comes back to you is either negative or positive, and they even shy away from using good and evil as concepts to, to describe those things. But the cause of suffering has to do with your actions or holding on to ego. The end of suffering is the goal. And so meditation is a big part of this, and letting go of self is a big part of this. Um, and you'll see that they're very active in their communities and helping other people. So just a quick story before I move on. Um, when we visited, Kevin was astounded at how kind the conversation was, how nice the conversation was that we were having. He told me a story of how they were serving their community, picking up trash, putting it in a trash bag, and they had a sign for which Buddhist temple they were from. And as people drove by, they would curse at them. They would throw trash at them. They would uh, call them names. Uh, and, and I can't tell you how hurtful that was to him. Though I could tell he really was trying not to really talk about it all that much. But the reason I'm telling you that is that stuff happens and it's out there and it's our responsibility as people that love your neighbor well to not do those sort of things. And you're like, I would never drive by somebody and throw garbage at them. Look at what's posted on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Love your neighbor as yourself. They spend a lot of time to end suffering and serve other people. And then there's the path, okay? Again, this is, I know that we're, we're getting stretched here. And the path is the process that they go through to get rid of self or suffering. And I'm, okay, so just relax. I'm not going to go through all eight, all right? Everybody calm down. It's the eightfold path, and this is just the, we would call these like good deeds or disciplines that we would have. And so you have things like right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, okay? Those are just means by which to attain that. I'm not going to go into it other than that. All right. Yes? All right. So good. You guys are awesome. Okay. So what, uh, after I got through all that, I thought, what, what other questions might they have about Buddhism? Because I know I had some. There's some terms that float around a little bit that are associated with Buddhism that you might go, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And one of those is karma. Uh, karma literally means deeds. Those are the things that you do. It's not the effect that comes back. Now, the things that you do can either have a positive or negative effect, but that is called karma, and karma is a bad thing. It can be bad sometimes, karma, and it, but it literally just means deeds. Uh, nirvana, it's not just a band from the 90s. It's also extinguishing and unbinding. Uh, it's not a state of perfect bliss, but uh, it's the idea of letting go of self and pride and, and materialism and all of those things. And the more that you are enlightened, uh, the closer you are to not repeating the cycle, 
of uh, rebirth or reincarnation, which is something else that you're probably asking about. Reincarnation is more of a Hindu concept uh, than Buddhist, but it is present in, in Buddhism. It's talked about and emphasized more in ancient, like Tibetan Buddhism, than it is more Western progressive. So in uh, Western uh, Buddhism, it's more about like rebirth and letting go and meditating and things like that. Um, but enlightenment is discovering the truth about life and yourself. All right. And then uh, nirvana is kind of like this state of when you finally get there and you've released all of those things, uh, the way it was described to me, it's like a wave, you know, a wave comes up and then it crashes back into the water. It feels very Bruce Lee to me as I'm doing it. Like, like, you know, the wave comes up out of the water and you can see a wave. It's an individual as a wave, but then it goes and it joins the rest of the water. And so um, nirvana is when you've been released from all those things and now you can join sort of the, the collective consciousness. I'm not saying I believe this. <laughs> I'm saying my Buddhist friend Kevin believes this. And here's some concepts that you may want to know about. Um, and the main thing to remember is Buddha consistently taught one thing and that is suffering and the end of suffering. All right, do you know a little bit more than you did when you walked in? Good, this is good stuff. Now, here's what I want to do with the rest of the time that I have. I want to give you some conversational helps. And you may be like, I don't know anybody who's Buddhist. I guarantee you that you know somebody who thinks like a Buddhist. And so what I'd like to do is give you some tips that you can have common ground with somebody to talk about who might be Buddhist. And the first thing is this. Materialism is bad and has a corrupting effect. Christians believe that, right? We believe you can't serve two masters. We believe you shall have no other gods before me, right? That's about having idols and materialism. And so we could have a great conversation with somebody who is Buddhist over the idea of materialism and how, how it screws you up. You could have a great conversation with a Buddhist about prayer and meditation. Now, our prayer and meditation is different. Our prayer and meditation is focused on the person of Jesus Christ and on God. It's on a person. Uh, uh, theirs is more about like cleansing of self and things like that, but you could still have a great conversation with them about prayer and how important it is. You could talk about serving other people and have a fantastic conversation with them. How important it is to get out there and help others, how you're connected with other people in, in a sense, right? Like we need to, we need to serve and help them. You could talk about pride and how evil pride is. We would say pride comes before the fall. Uh, we would say things like uh, the sin that got uh, the devil kicked out of heaven is pride. Like pride is a bad thing. Uh, you could have a great conversation about that. Relational connection. You could talk about relational connection with a Buddhist and have a fantastic conversation. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, that kind of thing. And how we depend on each other, how we're interconnected in a sense. And then, and then finally, I think something that you could talk about with the Buddhists that would be awesome is uh, the idea of life change. Uh, their belief is that today I was not the same person as I was yesterday. It's not a terrible philosophy. <laughs> um, the more you flesh that out, the more you realize, okay, I may not be willing to go there with them. But, but like, if we believe that we trust in Jesus Christ, he has transformed our heart and it is changing us from the inside out, and every day we want to look more like Jesus, we should believe in change. We should believe that we can uh, make a change in our life and be more like him. And so we can have common ground 
great conversation with someone who's Buddhist. The last thing that I, want, I want to talk about, though, is the fact that there are differences. I think we probably already realize what some of those differences are just in, in talking with one another. To do that, I, I want to um, talk about John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It'll make sense when we get to the end of it. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Uh, so that first phrase, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word being Jesus Christ. In the beginning is supposed to take us all the way back to Genesis and the creation event. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. So before Jesus was even with us, Jesus was in heaven with God. It says he was with God and that he was God. He was with God, which we're like, well, what does that mean? It's an expression of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was with God, but he was God. In essence, he was the same as God. And the word, which is logos, or the reason or mind of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Hebrews 1.3 says the Son is the radiance of his glory, the representation of his essence, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. So that when he has accompanied uh, or cleansed our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In other words, Jesus is the very essence of who God is. If you want to know how God loves somebody, treats somebody, does anything, you look to the person of Jesus Christ because he is the word. He's the very essence of who God is. Um, then it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we've been talking about enlightenment and, and all of this stuff. Uh, the light that we receive from God comes from without and not from within. Uh, this, this light became fleshy. He was in heaven with God, but then he became flesh and he dwelt among us. Uh, in him was life. Uh, it goes back to the creation event again, like in the beginning, God, like through Christ, everything was created. And that, that's kind of a mystery to us, but he was with God. He was God. The universe was created through him. And why? Because he had life. Life dwelled in him. He had the ability to impart life, not just to creation, but to us through salvation. So he was the light of the world and the light shines in the darkness. When the light shines in the darkness, it reveals things that were not there before. In other words, it can show us our sin. It can show us what is good and it can show us what is evil. Jesus is the light. And then it says, there was the true light, which coming into the world uh, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was not made through him, and the world did not know him. Uh, it, it enlightens. It reveals. Uh, we've already talked about that, so I'm going to move on. And, and then I love this. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So not only was Jesus present in the creation of the universe, and life was imparted through him, and by him, but he descended to earth. He put on flesh. This is the mystery of the incarnation that God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to dwell with us, to be with us, that he became flesh. His feet got dirty walking on the road. He, he served other people. He ate with the disciples. They could put their hand on Jesus. They could look into the eyes of God. Like Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw him. He wasn't a concept. He was a person. 
and he was real. He put on flesh and he suffered with us. He dwelt among us or tabernacled among us, lived as one of us would live. And we saw his glory, the disciples said. We saw his glory. We saw him face to face. We saw the miracles. And it says that he was full of grace and truth. So I'm going to end with this verse. Because as we talk about differences, I love the idea that Jesus himself, like this, this God-man, right, that descended from heaven to earth, that put on flesh, he loved us so much in order to show us the path, in order to show us the way, he tabernacled, he lived among us, they could put their hands on him. He loved us so much that he did those things. But as God, he could be arrogant, he could be pompous, he could be mean, but he wasn't. He was full of grace and truth. As we talk about our differences with other people who believe differently from us, let's be filled with grace and truth. You know, truth without grace annihilates. Grace without truth is just a license to do whatever you want. And so as people of God, we want both of those things. Why? Because Jesus was full of both of those things. And to be like Christ, we have to do those things. So with that in mind, here are just a few differences. And the first difference is what we've already declared. The presence of God in our life. God is intimately involved in our lives. We can cry out to God. We can pray to God. We can know before I came out on this stage, I've said this before in the first service, but before I came out on stage, I was really nervous. And then I remembered something. God is with me. I was less nervous. Like I could walk out on the stage and go, you know, God is with me. Like where I mess up, he's going to, you know, pick up the pieces. God is intimately involved in our lives and we can depend on him. We can trust in him. So one of the differences is that God is involved in our life and cares. Another difference is this, the concept of good and evil. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because he is the light of the world, he can show us what right and wrong is. We can point to things and go, you know what, that, that's, that's not good. We, we shouldn't do, that's evil, like that's sin. And, and then we can point to other things and go, okay, maybe, maybe this is good. Why? Because Jesus is the light and he's shown us what good and evil is. We can look at good fruit and bad fruit, um, fruit of the spirit. Um, and then lastly, heaven is a reality. This is a major difference um, between the two of us. Now, my, my friend Kevin, he, he talked about an afterlife. So it's not that it isn't present. So I don't want to misspeak. Uh, there is an eternity on that side. But for us, we do experience it as individuals. Um, you know, I did a, a funeral this week. And one of the things that I said in that funeral was heaven is a place and a person. It's a place that we go and we experience, but it's not heaven unless Jesus is there. And so heaven is a place and it's a person. And you as an individual will experience eternity with God if you know Christ and trust in him. So those are some differences. I hope that helps you a little bit. And I want to end with this. Um, at the end of our conversation, first of all, Kevin has a tremendous sense of humor and, and he was gracious. He was kind. He listened to me. Uh, when I said things that I was like, is this true? And it was just ignorant because I didn't know. I just, Bleh, and he's like, nope, that's not true. So here, here it is, you know, and he would tell me just patiently. And other times he'd go, 
you nailed that one. That's, that's absolutely true. And so we had this great conversation, but we were joking. When he walked up to the church, I saw him coming and he was like, hey, sorry, man, I didn't put on my like orange robes or like my beads, you know, and I was like, it's okay. You know, I, I didn't wear my collar or my crucifix. So we're good. You know, we're even. So we sat down and we just had a pleasant conversation. I wasn't worried. I wasn't scared. I didn't think he was going to convince me to, to become Buddhist or anything like that. He wasn't scared that I was going to convince him to become a Christian, but we still talked about our faiths together in a civil, loving way. And I really believe that we can experience that, but it starts here. It starts with us. And I know the, the argument sometimes is like, well, man, you know, eternity is an important thing. You know, heaven and hell, man, those are big stakes. And I would agree with you 100%. They are. It's too important not to deliver with love. If you want someone to receive the gospel, you, you can't like coat that with hate or anger or accusation and expect that they would receive it. It is too important to get wrong. That means we have to love our neighbor as ourself. And so when you talk about your faith, it has to be delivered in love and not winning the argument, the relationship needs to take the lead. Let your friendship with other people drive how you speak with them and about their faith. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you um, for your son, Jesus Christ. God, I, I thank you for Kevin and the friendship that I've made with him and his community. I just pray for them. Lord, that you would protect them, um, keep them from people who would uh, say terrible things or mean them harm. God, uh, watch over them in that community, Lord, uh, thank you for your, your son, Jesus Christ, who enlightens us. He is the light of the world. He, at the beginning, he was with God. He was God. He put on flesh. He tabernacled. He, he dwelt among us. We can point to Jesus and go, that's what God looks like in the flesh. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us to love others and to share our faith and learn about their faith in a loving and compassionate way. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.